welcome to The Shipping Exchange, a brand new podcast that aims to explore the latest developments in the maritime industry, brought to you by the Honourable Company of Master Mariners and Maritime London, and presented by me, Graham Fisher. In today's episode, we're going to look at careers at sea. A career in the Merchant Navy offers a wealth of exciting opportunities for anyone looking for adventure and a job that is anything but 9 to 5. From the food we eat to the clothes we wear, the Merchant Navy is an integral part of our society. And as an island nation, the UK maritime industry handles over 95% of all imports and exports by volume and directly employs an estimated 152,000 people. Of those individuals, there are an estimated 24,000 UK seafarers active at sea, and just over half of those are officers, with a further 1,830 officer cadets in training. The UK Merchant Navy attracts individuals from all walks of life, and this fast-moving and technologically advancing industry requires highly trained seafarers working across navigation, engineering, electrotechnical, and onboard service disciplines at both officer and rating levels. In this episode, we will look at what it takes to become an officer in the Merchant Navy, what is being done to promote careers at sea, and whether the red ensign is still regarded as one of the most reputable flags in the world. I'm joined today by three guests, Ali Sheil, a newly qualified navigation officer, Lee Clark, Cadet Training Manager at V Group, and Rachel Gurnett, Training and Careers Manager at the Merchant Navy Training Board. So Ali, what made you want to go to sea? So, for a very basic thing for me, it was motivated mainly by family and friends. I had a very close family friend who I've grown up with him being in the Merchant Navy, and just before I joined, he uh, qualified as a Master Mariner. So I saw all that from afar. I'll be honest, I didn't grow up thinking I'd go into the industry, but I ended up almost falling into it, but it was a very interesting thing to fall into, and it worked out well. Yeah, so if you look back, you you happy you made the decision, or you... Uh regret it somewhat no I'm happy I made the the decision it's it's a career it's a very good career Um, it's got a clear promotional path you're a specialist at something and I think you can be proud of that and it is a very very good life experience it makes you a better a better man I've learnt a lot about myself and and about the world so it was 100% a mistake so why why do you think it's a career worth considering in the end of the day it's a package that comes together you're not looking at student debt, you're not looking at, it's a, it's a full-on package that you can be provided for education and it's a lifelong career in the maritime industry. You know, we always talk about a career at sea, but we always forget that there's so many avenues when you receive that COC that, that it's a lifelong career, it's what you make of it. You know, you can start off as a, a debt cadet and work, work your way up through to a lecturer or a surveyor or a ship broker or, or what we do, training and, and, and the careers at sea. So it's a worthwhile career and it will take you places uh, as long as you're willing to do it and provide what you, know, what you need. Yeah, I think I'd agree. A, a big selling point is uh, the kind of opportunities that you can progress into. So whether that is staying at sea and going all the way up the ranks or deciding to come ashore, it's um, it's, it's a good kind of pathway into a wider maritime career as well as a career at sea. If you want, it's not one pathway and you stick at that and you keep going. You can be a bit more inventive if you want to or explore different pathways depending on where your interests lie. So Rachel, what is it that careers at sea does in terms of promoting the Merchant Navy and getting people to consider it as a career 
Well, we do um, a lot of work, particularly with our um, Careers at Sea Ambassador Scheme. So we've got a whole um, team of people who are um, on a voluntary basis giving their time to go to careers fairs or to go and speak to schools particularly. They go to youth groups, things like Sea Cadets as well, their cadet units, and they talk about their experiences of life at sea, their experience of training and the different opportunities that are available. So people who've been there, done that, and had the experience themselves, actually talking about what it's like, giving them a, a real understanding of that. Um, as well as providing all the information, everything from what roles are actually out there all the way up to application and how to do that. And um, what's the website? It's at www.careersatsea.org. We're also on Twitter, so if you go at Careers at Sea, you'll find us there. So, Lee, what, what you know, Rachel mentioned there some of the options and the routes and what, that are available. So, if I'm a school school leaver or university leaver, if I, and I want to join the Merchant Navy, what, what can I do? So, obviously, as a training company, we, we look at different... Um, what our training, what our clients want. So obviously some clients want uh, certain, so FD or SPD, um, and then we have the HNC, HND route. So, 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 so that's foundation degree and... Foundation degree and special diploma, Scottish professional diploma. Obviously these are the, 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 the two routes that we offer. When we're at careers events or when we're at open days, the things that we're sort of looking at is is uh, when the person comes and talks to us and says, look, we want a career at sea, we look at their background, we look at what they've done, they look at... We always say that the CV is only 50% because the academics speak them for themselves. We also look at the attributes of the person as well. So when we're looking at the person, we look for certain things that they've done, sea cadets, charity work, um, uh, whatever they've done to, to better themselves, Duke of Edinburgh. Because one of the, 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 the lost sort of things when we're talking to, to young people is that there are future leaders. They are going to be in positions of, of seniority and we need to make sure that, that their attributes are, are, are working with that. We also try and make sure that some people, they automatically want a foundation degree. But then when you look at their, their, their academics, well, hang on a minute, you're a lot more physically with your hands, you're a lot more, you're, you're a, lot more a doer than a, than a person that can sit and study in a library. So we also guide them along that way and make sure that in the end of the day, their COC is, is, is what their ultimate goal is. I suppose that's one of the, the best things about it is that you don't need to be an academic, you don't need to have you know, the, the top grades, you know, it, it's, it's a hands-on job, you know, it's a hands-on experience. When you go away to see, you, you are learning on the job, it's, it's vocational. And I think that's what really drew me in. And I would say the same for yourself, Ali? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I hope you won't mind me saying this, but my family friend, when he first got into it, he was severely dyslexic, really struggled through his GCSEs, and his teachers said that he wouldn't really amount to anything. He joins the Merchant Navy at 16, within uh, three or four years gets cadet of the year and has progressed the whole way up to being a master mariner now with an unlimited ticket so I think yeah, 100% it's not just about the academia I think it's the passion about the industry one of the things it's mass I mean mass is very very important and, and we need to focus on that because mass across the country is not where it should be is my in my personal opinion but it's amazing how when when candidates they struggle in school it's amazing that when they all of a sudden find themselves focused and that's what Merchant Navy does. It focuses you. You know what you want to achieve. So the colleges are, are fully aware of accessing that potential. And we've had cadets that, again, that sort of attitude from school, uh, he's not going or she's not going to amount to much. And then you all of a sudden give them a purpose in the Merchant Navy, and all of a sudden they flourish. So let's let's talk about the actual roles that you can do. You know, you, you have the avenue of either do, either doing foundation degree or doing uh, HNC HND. But what about the deck side, engineering side, um, electrical technician side? 
So there's three, or I say three, four main options. Um, one of them is uh, deck navigation. You've then got the engineering roles, you've got the electrotechnician roles, and there's also a ratings route. So it's a more kind of general seafaring qualification, I guess. And I think Lee's already pointed out that there's uh, certain kind of qualities that the uh, companies or charities, whoever is um, recruiting, will know to look out for because th there will be certain characteristics and certain skills that and qualities that will best fit certain roles. And I think part of the application is ensuring that, like Lee was saying, that it's, it's a good fit. And um, I think that's where the recruiter is coming from. Well, I always say um, to my sea cadets, when you're looking at a career at sea, think of a car. You either want to drive it, you either want to get under the hood, or you want to know, or you're fitting in the hi-fi or the the, the, the the lights. And where you f see yourself fitting in is where you could quite happily fit in onto a ship. So when you say that, you can see the cadets, sort of, the sea cadets sort of look and go, oh, okay, all right. Yeah, I think that's important company-wise as well, when it comes to picking your sponsorship company. I think it's, on reflection, if I could go back in time, I'd probably be a little bit more fussy because I think it's very important to find a good match the kind of person you are if you're a social person if if you're after the more the glamorous lifestyle then you want to be heading towards the cruise ship so if you've got a passion i don't know for a company like bp then it's important to find the right fit because through our experience at college i think there's a lot of cadets that didn't take enough time picking their company and a f quite a few of them dropped out and maybe they wouldn't have done if they were with a company that better fit themselves. One of the great things that I think has blossomed within V Group is that for deck, engine and ETO we try and give our cadets at least three different types of ships. With my cadet ship I was only on one type of ship and when I qualified it very much sort of hampered me a little bit to where I wanted to go. So we try and give our cadets a broad range of ships to, to, to find their feet on. For those listening, let's talk about the types of vessels that you can work on, the types of companies you can train with. There's a lot of variety out there, and um, like Annie was saying, it's, uh, it, different companies, different charities, whoever you choose to do your cadetship with will have a variety of different options, and it is worth doing your research to find out what options are available for you and, again, what the best fit is. I think that's what careers at sea um, seeks to do so it has a list of all the different potential options that you can do allowing you to do your own research to have a look because I think it's like we've been saying it's, it's got to be a good fit because that's where people are more likely to um, pick the the route that is, is going to be best for them they're going to get the best out of and they're going to enjoy the most which is ideally where we want to go but in terms of different ships there's, there's such a huge variety it's, it's, I think it's quite difficult to, to list them all I mean Lee you've probably got more of an yeah, idea yeah I mean of... they've all got different attributes and it's very important when you're looking at your company make sure you find out what type of uh, clients that they have what type of vessels they have because you will find yourself um, like you said dropping out because what we what we failed what we need to make sure we do is not fail the cadet in terms of building your aspirations and, and giving you the wrong information from the start there is sometimes companies that that have quotas and just want to get you in the door and bums on the seats and that's not how it should be when that candidate comes up to us we need to be responsible from the beginning giving you the right information saying look these are the type of clients we've got these are the type of ships we have this is what we offer from the beginning so when that cadet starts to the finishes it's it's not building up their their hopes they they know full well what to expect within that three years and i think that's where some some of us fail because they get to phase two and all of a sudden they were promised shiny cruise ships and they end up on a bulk carrier 
and that can be demoralising, even though the training that you'll probably get is very, very similar in terms of, of deck. I think that, yeah, that's really important. And just to relate it to something slightly different is cadets being prepared for their role on board. How sometimes it can be portrayed at college and within companies is you're going on as uh, a trainee officer. You're going to be an officer in a couple of years. So you've some cadets may go with a sense of entitlement. I was lucky in the sense that I, as I say, I had friends and family and I was... I was told, listen, you're going in at the bottom of the food chain. You don't have a say. Do as you're told. It's getting that right attitude to go on and understand you've got to earn your stripes. And if you go on with that attitude, you're not going to be you're not going to be shocked. You're gonna you're gonna, as you say, may blossom. So let's um, look at the places around the country that you can train and how long it takes to train and sort of the setup of training so Ali you know that you did yours in Fleetwood along with me we were classmates and we spent three years there which is how long it usually takes um, for from start to finish so Ali do you want to talk us through how it's structured in terms of the phases the C phases college phases yeah so we started um, in the September I should say we were uh, foundation degree deck officer cadets uh, the first phase was around four or five months and that was basically just being given the base knowledge to go to sea and be able to contribute. That can be yeah. with your short courses. And, uh, it's, a good, to, it's a good mix, isn't it? Yeah. You know, it's not just being sat in a, in a, in a lecture theatre all day. It's, it's about being out there doing something called short courses. If you, know, if you do consider it as a career, there are a lot of one-week, two-week or three-week courses that you have to do, which is perhaps firefighting, uh, life-saving, so lifeboats and things like that. And a lot of that you have to do during these phases. Yeah, so then phase two would start, and that was your first sea phase, and your time to understand what life at sea is like, and just understanding the basic safety precautions that you'd need to take. Phase three, when we came back to college, was when it started. It was a quite an intense phase. Yeah, you, you I think you come back as a different person, don't you? You know, you, you, uh, you, you, you're finishing your first phase, you're bright-eyed, you know, bushy-tailed, and, and you're excited to get to sea. You go to sea, and it's a reality of, like, wow, this is, this is what it's like. This is, this is the job. I love going back in phase three and seeing my cadets that are in phase one and then seeing them in phase yeah. three. You're like, yeah, yeah, you're, you've changed, and yeah. for the better. Absolutely. I actually had a parent that came to me and said, thank you for, for turning my child into a man, mm. um, because he was, uh, he, was a, yeah, he was an interesting phase one, but then fantastic phase three i think phase three is where you see a lot of people uh, excel as well because yeah. when you have been to see everything you start to learn you can practicalize you can picture it in your head and that's when i'd say for me everything started to come together if you can practicalize something it's so much easier to learn and when you where you can see where that knowledge is going to help you in the future um it is so much more. I think you should never underestimate that the, the the benefit or the power of actual work experience and what it brings you. When you go back for phase three and you're in a lecture theatre and someone says something about perhaps a piece of engine plant or bridge equipment, you can think straight back to your time at sea or when I use that piece of equipment or in this scenario. And it, it means so much more than perhaps a university course, which is just three years in the classroom and then 
you know, at the end of those three years, you need to find a job, and then you start learning. It, it, the, the beauty of the Merchant Navy and the training that it is, it, there is a, a, a brilliant balance there in both theoretical and practical knowledge, which makes you excel, like you said, Lee, into yeah. a better person. But I think also what you've got to be aware to, you know, just just to put it out there in phase three, the dip happens, mm-hmm. and, and and you find yourself some, you know, we find a lot of cadets question, oh, why am I here? Because the exam pressure's on, the stress is on, and that's where you need to rely on on your colleagues, rely on your co- sponsoring company, your training manager, speak to them talk to them about about what you're feeling uh, i think a lot of cadets um forget that training managers responsible ones are there to help you and and you know we we are we're employed by the clients to look after you so talk to us and this and phase three is where we find that little dip so it, it's good that you you know again doing your research make sure that you've got your family there talk to them don't 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 do this in science because if you've got all those blocks in place for phase three you're going to have a fantastic one tough as you said it's it's academically stressful everything like that but you will overcome of it and and phase four and then phase five will, will follow so it's just getting that balance right so the length of phase three probably what would you say nine months to yeah eight, eight nine months yeah. yeah and then phase four again is very similar to phase two you, you take forward all of that applicable knowledge and the, the experiences you've gained and you go back to sea and then, so let's look at phase five. You then, you then come back to the uh, training college, and phase five is, I'd say, it's probably the most stressful point of a, of a cadetship because it's when it all boils down to qualifying. And if you do it right, if you if you go with the right mentality from day one in phase one, you know you will you will succeed. Yeah, well, I mean, this is where they throw out armies, SQAs, yeah. and of course the the dreaded orals. But, uh, yeah, phase five is is we find again. That we we need to put more resources into the cadets, make sure that they're they're mentally and physically able to to do it. But um, the stress levels there are are manageable, and you've just got to get that balance right. So Rachel, what, what is it that SQAs are, and and the qualifications and uh, examinations that you do to qualify? So these are um, the kind of uh, academic qualifications that are set by the MCA, and they um, they're almost like the kind of the collection of uh, certificates and qualifications you need to build up to get your certificate at the end. So it's um, it's something that uh, the MCA, in case you don't know, is the Maritime and Coast Guard Agency. So they're the ones who kind of um, uh, accredit and tick off all of the kind of the right boxes to get you the qualification at the end. Um, but, but like Lee was saying, with all of these things. Yeah, any exam is going to be stressful and academics uh, any kind of academic study um is is going to be a bit of a challenge so uh, the thing to remember is that colleges are there to help and they will help and they've got the kind of support there they've been doing these for a long time so they'll be aware of what kind of questions can come up they'll be aware of any developments that are coming up um like they were saying again the companies are there and the, the charities whoever your sponsors are are also there to support you so the one thing I would say is that with all of these challenges, it's not something you ever have to face on your own. And what we want to continue to push is the support is there if you need it. So don't let it completely overcome you. Take on the challenge and think if you get stuck, ask. I know that there's um, some cadets that I've spoken to who've built up kind of um, cadets within their own peer groups. And so they'll get together and they'll kind of test each other on the knowledge. And if one person's particularly good at one area and another person's good at another then you can combine the two and you can work together. So even kind of within your college, I mean, you two said that you were um, at college together, you're still communicating with each other now. So obviously the friends that you build up over college are going to be there all the way through. So again, the support will continue. So, you know, you, you've got all these other things going on, but above yeah. and beyond, it's if you need help, it is there. I, I think, out of my experience, um, there, there's sort of three reasons why cadets drop out, and one of them is obviously academics. 
the second one is finance and the third one is, is relationships. I don't know if you can agree on that, but those are the sort of the three that we find that, that sort of uh, are the, the struggling. So if you can overcome those three, then your cadetship will, will, will be a good one. Let's break it down then. So the first point you made, uh, academic. So it's important that we you know, emphasise that it's not just exam after exam and it's not as if you're not prepared for these exams. You know, you, you're, you're always learning and... Very, a lot of it is applying applicable. Um, sorry, a lot of it is applying the knowledge which you've gained during your time at sea and just putting that down on paper. So, but you know there there is a pressure to it, and I think orals as well is a topic that we should uh, we should discuss. And at the end of three years, once you've done all of your sea time, once you've done all of your short courses and all of your exams, you will go along to one of the maritime coast guard agency. Uh, officers and you will meet with one of the examiners um, and they will I mean to a better word how should we say Ali uh, grill. grill I think grill grill is a grill is a reasonable <laughs> word yeah word sorry they will you mustn't be afraid of it no of no, course not, no. you, you know you've got to embrace these things yeah. and, and it is a challenge I mean it does get better uh, the questions become more and more varied um, but if you're if you want to be there they will know that and in the end of the day, they're not there to trip you up. They're there to ask you, are you safe? And that's important. If you can go in there with a, a positive and, and you, you can trust what you've been taught, you're going to have no issues. During examinations, I used to get very, very um, nervous. And it wasn't the fact that I didn't know it. It's just that I had some guy that was here. Now, orals in 2005, were, we had a particular uh, examiner at Liverpool, I won't name him. He was the most intimidating man I've ever met in my life. But yeah, that's what he's designed to do. He, he's, he's, he's putting you under pressure to see how you're going to react and you must embrace it. You mustn't I, I be scared of it. That, that, that pressure, that sort of importance that it places on the orals is what makes the British training system one of the best in the world and you know the, the amount of training which we do and how we are tested um, really sort of stands us apart and making sure that our officers are you know some of the best and are competent are safe and can do the best job for for companies the other point you mentioned was finances I mean the, the positive is you get a foundation degree H&D H&C and you don't it doesn't cost you a penny and you will also get paid each month um, and again, when you're at sea, your your food, your lodgings, everything is all covered. And the third point you mentioned is about relationships. And I think it is really a case of preparing cadets for life at sea. As far as I'm, a, I can understand it. A lot of it is about you know you're going to be on board ship with um, a whole bunch of people that you might have never experienced spending time with before. And I think a key part of it is making sure that you're able to be open to um, you know getting to know different groups of people and being yes you are going to be put into a situation that might be a little bit uncomfortable. But for practical um, kind of advice, it's a lot of it is about making sure that you speak to people who have been at sea and that I, I know that there are a lot of people who are lecturers or there for support have had experience at sea so you can speak to them if they're concerned and the people who are managing the cadetships as well, they're going to have very real experience or at least know places that they can find understanding and have conversation with people about anything that would concern them and there are some companies that they'll be on board ship with someone else who's also a cadet or someone else who's also um, like from a similar background that kind of thing so things can be put in place but again that will depend on which company and which um, like who's managing your cadetship but I think a lot of it is just speaking to people. If you've got a concern, then speak it out. Go and ask someone. People are more than willing to offer advice and give help everywhere. I, I've never 
come across anybody where I've been able to ask them a question and they've not wanted to share their experience. People want to in this industry. It's something that's really drawn me and made me want to stay in it is the relationships you do build and the willingness for people to share experiences and help in any way that they can. We prep our cadets in such a way as that they will find themselves on uh, board with international crew. Uh, again, one of the benefits to, to being a ship manager is that there are crew. So if there are issues, they're V-crew. So we can we can sort of get to the bottom of it quite quickly. But at the pre sea briefing, we you know everything down to when you enter the, the mess and say good appetite, you know, to don't wear your boiler suit <laughs> in the mess, things like that. And we, we run through that all. And we also have our superintendents that, that manage the vessels come in and chat to them and sit down and go, look, um, you know, you're going to face this type of challenges. The ship's quite old, so be prepared for this. Or and, and they're quite prepped, quite good before they board, even before they go on board. All the way to we have a full list of, of kit list of what to take because, you know, that, that that's a big question. What do I take? What do I need? So, you know, obviously we, we prep them in that way. We know the routes, so, okay, take shorts or don't or take something like that. So it, it's, it's all down to making sure that when they, when they board, they're fully aware of the challenges that they're going to face from international crews, language barriers, all the way through to, to that they've got the right kit in and they're not carrying two suitcases and wearing their uniform as they board a gangway somewhere in Hong Kong. It's things like that that is important and it's important to them because I always say what's, what's little to us is huge to them uh, and if we can just put that to ease then, then boarding the ship is going to be a hell, a hell of a lot better. Maybe your first time joining a ship, you are going to have, just from the social side, you're going to be nervous you're meeting a group of new people you don't know, they may not be from the same country, you're going to be living with them for the next couple of months and I, I think it's important to prepare cadets for that and also for them to understand that I've sailed with people that have been at sea for 25 years and when they're joining a new ship with new crew they're still nervous because that's that's normal that's human nature like, absolutely I you agree don't with that. you don't know what to expect so Ali what about the culture shock perhaps do you ever feel that you know you're you're going onto a ship where uh, people are from all corners of the world and you're the only perhaps British person on board you know is that something which is quite common something to be expected so for myself it, it wasn't the situation I was um, in the North Sea offshore industry it was mainly English crew but I, I know from some of my peers um, and especially one someone dropped out because in phase two they went to see Bulgarian bulk company or something like this and they were the only English speaking person on board for four months they managed it through the sea phase but when they got home from that they just couldn't bring themselves to to go again that again relates back to the previous point being a little bit more fussy if you will with your yeah. company choice and understanding what you're getting yourself fussy, into yeah, and perhaps also maybe managing of expectations i think i mean it's a fantastic career it's a brilliant career but you have to accept that you may come across difficulties whether that's cultural barriers or you might experience sexism or, or homophobia or very very rare but problems which you might not have foreseen when you're a cadet or when you're yeah. you know. i think it has a flip side though it can be very positive i know i've spoken to quite a few people that have experienced these different cultures from different nationalities and learned a lot and it's made them want to go and visit the countries and just have a greater understanding for how different the world is like you mentioned earlier Lee, it's about choosing the right company choosing a company like v ships a, c- a company which can provide you with the variety of the opportunities but also if there is a problem can help you yeah i think that's important i mean i've got to state that you know our ships are multicultural 
and it's how we prep the cadets to make sure that they're fully aware of what the, the nationalities are and and don't be closed to it you know embrace it for the first two weeks they probably won't talk to you let's just be honest there, it, there is a challenge i always say to the cadets well actually they're gauging you if you if you if you're sat there with your little notebook and you're ready to go and you're there on time and you're you're just persistent you're going to get through and and that's through my own experience i was on board an all, all russian ship and for the first month they did not say a single word for me but I'm quite a persistent person. I didn't go away. And all of a sudden, by the end of the four months, I was actually very sad to leave the vessel. I developed good friendships and the captain I still speak to to this day. You know, it can be isolating, but it's it's down to your perseverance and how you want it and how you can manage that situation. Yeah. Go on board with that positive eyes. Go and do the work that you need to do. If you face problems, and look, we've all met the grumpy captain and chief engineer, if you do have problems, you need to speak to your training officers. And the grumpy cadet. And the grumpy cadet, <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Haven't had their coffee in the morning, don't talk to them. It's important that we are the link between you and the, and the, and the ship, and, and you need to speak to us. And, and I encourage our cadets to come and say, look, I've had this bad experience, how can I manage it? Right, let's do this, 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 and this. I cannot promise you a great trip every time. That's just the way the world is. But we can manage it, and we can get you over it, and we can make sure that we're at your graduation. Ultimately, that's what we're all wanting to see. We all want to be at your graduation. How can we manage this situation? And again, I feel that the cadets that drop out, they shut down and they go home and all of a sudden the world's a bleaker place, but they've not said a word to anyone. So how can we fix it if you keep quiet? Yeah, yeah. I think I, I'd agree with that, that um, the help is there if you need it and in any role, whether it's in the Merchant Navy or anything, you're going to come across different issues and it is about managing managing that situation and being able to go to someone if you're not sure how to do that and so I would always encourage if you need help, you must ask for it and like, the management companies are there to do that as part of their role and colleges can help with that as well, I'm sure Ali you've had experience of how to deal with those kind of situations but I, I would always encourage if you need help go and seek it is there if you need it yeah i think the most important thing we should say is your attitude when you go on board in my experience it doesn't matter about what level you're at practically uh how much you can contribute around the vessel if you go and you're on time and you're willing to work it's going to go a long way with the people that are there and they will be more willing to teach you i mean if you speak to for in my experience if i've spoken to the crew any poor experiences with cadets cadets that maybe haven't fit in it's been solely because of their attitude it's not been because they hinder the ship it's because either they're late or they're lazy or they don't want to work and that's yeah, that's that the was, problem that was my experience certainly when i was chief mate i mean when i was grumpy it was because all of a sudden the cadet would show up at quarter past nine when he was meant to be there at nine and then he couldn't understand why i was angry and it was because timekeeping is important but trying to persuade <laughs> trying to tell the cadet at that time and it's important that you know and but then you had the cadet with the pocketbook and would would be your shadow and i was was quite happy to part my experience yes sometimes i'd say look i'm doing cargo work at the moment back off but in a respectful way and all of a sudden he'd be back again Mm. right what are we doing now and and i enjoyed having cadets like that on board and i was like that and you know with my chief mate when i was a cadet and and i was a little shadow but I was persistent, didn't go away, and I had a great trip at the end. So it is, it's all about that positive attitude. But if you do have a bad experience, there is support, yeah. and that yeah. is important. Yeah. It's, it's resilience, you know, it's about, you can make your cadetship whatever you want it to be, and you go onto those ships, you go on with the right mentality, the right attitude, the willingness to learn, be there on time, ask the right questions at the right time, and you will gain a huge amount from it. So 
let's have it. So just to uh, just time conscious. So, so as a as a final thought, do you think that a career at sea is a career for life? Or what What are the options for? Let's call it a career in the maritime industry because it's important to recognise that a career at sea is your starting point. And it's, you know, it's, it's very important. And, and I, again, I, I, to the cadets that, that sometimes get through there, halfway through their cadetship and go, this isn't for me. One of the things that I've always said is that get your ticket. Because with that ticket, so many doors open. And again, it's a qualification that can follow to you. So if, if you get on board and, and look, we all know being a sea can be difficult and it's a challenge and it's not for everyone. The maritime industry is for everyone because there's so many different avenues that you can go down. So if you want to be a broker or a lawyer or a lecturer or a surveyor or a training, there's so many avenues, but that ticket's so important. So Ticket being your, your, your qualifications. Yeah, your qualifications. Yeah. So when you get your qualifications, you know, there's so many more doors open. And the UK maritime industry, certainly with what's happening at the moment, we need future leaders at V-Ships we're crying out for assistant superintendents, technical and marine. You know, the, and officer of the watch ticket is the level. So why, why are you limiting yourself to sort of sudden, there's no jobs at sea, blah, 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 getting upset? Well, no, there's so many more avenues that you can go down. Or halfway through, you could actually be, ah, oh, being at sea is not for me. Oh, hang on a minute, the maritime industry is there. Let's get my ticket or my, my qualifications. And then I want to be a lecturer or, or I want to do something else. Okay. And it's so important to remember that. So, Rachel, I know that careers at sea operate careers at sea and beyond as well, which really factors in, you know, the fact that there is more to your career than being only a seafarer. You know, there's so many more options. Yeah. Well, I think, um, for a start, I think I'd challenge that only a seafarer statement. I would say if you want to go to sea and stay at sea and make it your life at sea then absolutely go for that i know that there are cadets who are training at the moment whose aim is to stay at sea for as long as they can if you want to do that then yeah go for it i don't think we should ever shy away from saying start doing a career at sea and then go somewhere else the 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 beauty of the maritime industry is as lee was saying there's a variety for everybody so if you want a role in the maritime industry then there are places for you i mean i my role particularly with careers at sea is to promote the cadetship programs, the ratings, apprenticeship schemes that you can get on. And I would say that of the people I've known who've been to sea, the, it's, it's majority positive. People really enjoy the um, experience of being at sea and studying and all the things we've been discussing about taking the lessons you learn in your first phase and then being able to apply them when you're actually at sea and then coming back and applying them again to your further bits of study. It's all there, but then with the careers at sea and beyond, which is a, another section of what we do, it's about the kind of options of where you can go from there. And it's, it's everything from um, how do I check that my CV's in the right place or what about different roles? We'll kind of advertise different places as they come to us, particularly through our Twitter feed and our social media. But the options are around, and I think if you want to look for what's available, then you can. And again, on the website, there's some information about um, if you're trained as a rating, maybe you want to move on to an officer. There's some programs that can do with that. There'll be some extra courses that if you want to move to see, these are different routes you can do. So the information is out there, and I think it's a lot of it is has got to be down to where do you want to go? What do you want your career in the merchant navy to look like? A lot of people would recommend that a, a career at sea and getting your cadetship is a good way in. It's not the only way in, but it is a good way in. And we're going to continue to promote that because, like Lee was saying, we see so many positive things coming out the back of it. And I, 
I would love to see more people taking up cadetships. I think it's a, a brilliant way to get in the industry. So, so what are the um, sort of the entry requirements for uh, ratings, the, the job role, the what they should expect, and um, where that can lead them in their career? Then for ratings, for ratings, uh, for yeah. ratings it will vary depending on the employer. But um, I think for cadetships are asking more kind of GCSE levels, and I think the ratings are um, a slightly lower um, academic qualification. But again, it dep- it will depend on which company you go at. So the the companies that are um, or the employers that are, are open to um, apprenticeship schemes are on the website as well and it's worth again doing your research like we said before looking at the different companies seeing what they're offering and what apprenticeships they're offering there's uh, there's deck and uh, engine uh, apprenticeships and then there's some hospitality ones as well so depending on where you want to go I think it's a hidden gem the apprenticeship schemes yeah. in terms of ratings because a lot of my respect for for ratings came from they're they're the, they're the hard workers they're the ones that and 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 if they you know and again it's coming to that if you're not very academic there is another route to come to see and that's the rating programs and there is there's it's not a downgrade you're not the cadetships and apprentices are two separate things and two different specialities mm-hmm. and some of the most respected and people that i've looked up to have been bosuns you know i'm sure you've you've met some fantastic bosuns the knowledge that they know about seamanship or down there is just phenomenal mm-hmm. far outstrips what we knew so you know, you, you, we've got to make sure that that that, that this, the apprenticeship schemes out there, and it's important that there are a, another avenue to sort of a, another jewel to our crown, really, in terms of the yeah. merchant navy. Yeah, of course, the, the, the avenue of rating to bosun, so which is the top rating rank, and then the Slater Fund scholarship, which you can then proceed on to being third, second, or even all the way up to captain. Mm. And uh, the opportunities are out there so so Ali is uh, it'd be great to get all of your th- final thoughts and in a nutshell what would you say a cadetship is why why is it important why is it a career worth considering and uh, what you think it can bring for individuals in the future a cadetship is a very valuable step to your career because for me it showed a clear path um, and it doesn't just end when you qualifies the officer it continues the whole way through and as lee was saying there are different branches to go within the whole industry it doesn't just have to be a life at sea i think they could probably be promoted more within the college uh if i'm honest but 100 percent, the cadetship for me there's absolutely no regrets and whether or not it's a career at sea it's a career for life yeah yeah i you know i i started off as a pop boy i'm a lady of man in the irish sea and here i am now you know head of cadet training for v-ships and the path that it's taken me, I wouldn't change any of it, the good and the bad, because it's made me who I am and who I who I want to be. Um, and like I said, you know, I went from cleaning pots to serving coffee on fast craft to my cadetship to being on the Royal Mail ship, the last remaining Royal Mail ship in the world, which, you know, I'm very, very honoured to have actually served on to then coming in and, and you know, working with cadets, and I, I wouldn't see myself doing anything else. So, you know, if, if ever there's a, a evidence of a career in the maritime industry, well, then I think I'm a living proof that you can stop anywhere and get to wherever you want. So it's, it's, it's important to remember that. Yeah. And Rachel? For me, I think it's just the variety of stories that you get from someone who's uh, like, whether it's the route into the industry or where they're at now, or whether it's they've 
gone to sea, stayed at sea, or gone to sea and then come to shore, the the stories I hear are incredible. Um, like I, I mentioned, the ambassador scheme that we've got, I've spoken to um, so many of them now, and every person I've spoken to has got a different story. It's like, I started here, and I heard about it through these people. Whether, uh, my family member was here. Um, some of them have heard talks from ambassadors and then become... Um, uh, officers off the back of that so for me it's it's you can make it whatever you want it to be and I think that's that's really key and it's it's a great selling point I think for for people today if, if you're you want to start somewhere and then you're not sure where you want to go this is a really good industry to be able to do that so you can start in one place and then branch off in so many different directions I think it's it's a great opportunity for lots of people whether it's a deck engine or ETO or rating all the options are there I think if you are a seafarer and you are listening and you're passionate about the maritime industry Joining the Careers at Sea program is it's it's completely invaluable. It's uh, you can learn so much, and you can take your passion and your enthusiasm for the industry to hundreds of young people um, all across the country. And not just that, as well, you know, there are many more organisations that you can also get involved with to continue to develop and learn and promote the industry. So you know, the Nautical Institute, um, Nautilus, and even where we are today, the Honourable Company of Master Mariners. You know, if you want to continue to develop and take that next step in your career. Um, and go beyond just a career at sea then it's well worth having a look at and of course as always all of the links for all of these websites will be in our bio below thank you for listening to the shipping exchange we hope you enjoyed the show and if you did it would be great if you could leave us a comment and subscribe for future episodes you can also find us across all of social media and at our website and the links can be found below in the bio we hope that you can join us again soon 